It's time to listen to some of my voicemail. This is Mega Maker, episode 22. <laughs> I was just looking at the stats for this show, and the most popular episode by far is number 15 extroverted jackass. It's really easy to become burdened by anxiety and self-doubt to the point that you stop creating or even stop sharing your creations with others. That was a voicemail from my friend Ashley Baxter, who is an amazingly talented photographer and business person. But that sentiment that she feels is something we all feel as makers. It can be debilitating to launch because you don't know how people are going to react to that thing that you've made. And and to be perfectly honest, some of that's warranted because there's a lot of jackasses out there. There's a lot of really cruel people that haven't made a single thing in their life but are happy to pick apart the thing that you've created. I asked Mega Maker listeners to leave me a voicemail and tell me how they deal with this kind of anxiety And I love Bruce Alderson's response. For what it's worth, I conquered general anxiety for making things many years ago, but I didn't realize what it was I changed until recently. I found I had to accept being bad at something to get good at it, while still seeing the nuggets of good in the crap I made. Eventually, there will be more good than bad, or I'll move on to something else. The real trick for me was to get good at not feeling bad about sucking at things and celebrate the things I was good at. Removing that guilt and adding the celebration has always worked well for fueling my happy making. I recently wrote about this in a blog post called Focus on Your Own Shit. The thesis is that you don't get anywhere by worrying about what other people think about you, about what your competition is doing, etc. The only thing you as a creative need to pay attention to is your own ability to learn, get better, and improve your craft. That's all that matters. James Altucher had this great quote on the Tim Ferriss show. I, I try to get this mindset. I want to improve, you know, 1% a week, which mm-hmm. seems like a small amount. But if you do that, it results in enormous improvements over the course of a year. And I've, I've really seen that by, by doing this strategy and, and keeping healthy in the way I described earlier. I feel like my life has changed 100% every six months since I've started this approach. This idea on focusing on yourself and improving yourself and ignoring all of the noise is something that was echoed by another voicemail I received from my friend Sasha Grafe. Hey, this is Sasha, and I wanted to talk about anxiety and self-doubt, especially as it relates to self-promotion. So for me, the most important thing was realizing that it's basically all a skill, just like anything else. Even if you consider yourself an introvert and you think things like public speaking, self-promotion, and so on are not for you, well, I really do think that you can uh, practice them and get better at them. And a lot of the time, you know, when we don't like something, uh, it can be just because we're not good at it yet. So all we need is a little push, a little practice, and uh, these things can become a lot more comfortable. What I'm trying to model through this Maker Challenge this year is this idea of just creating something small and putting it out into the world and then doing that again. And one of the reasons I wanted to make 100 things this year is I knew that if I was going to make 100, I would have to make a lot of those projects really small. 
And if you go to the list, megamaker.co slash list, you'll see my, it's a Google doc of a hundred things I'm trying to make this year. A lot of them are super tiny. And that's the point. To get better at this, you need to create something small and tell people about it. Create something small and tell people about it. It's through the practice of doing that that you get better. Friends, we have a great sponsor this month. It's Balsamic Mockups. And instead of telling you about the product today, I want to tell you a bit more about the story behind the company. Uh, you see, my friend Peldy started it back in 2008 as a solo founder, totally bootstrapped, doing everything himself. And there's probably a lot of you that are trying to do the same thing. You're by yourself. You're trying to create something out of nothing. And Peldy got super lucky. The product was immediately successful. And Peldy was forced to hire people and grow the company. In the eight years since, Balsamic has become the undisputed leader in that space of doing mock-ups digitally. And also, I think, a really inspiring company to follow. They still haven't taken outside investment. They have 21 employees now, uh, all geographically distributed. By the way, if, you, if they have job offers, I would go and apply because they are an amazing company to work for. On their Life at Balsamic blog, they share a lot of their really kind of progressive company policies and culture, everything they've learned along the way, uh, including their revenue numbers each year. I think you should check it out because the lessons they've learned in these eight years are useful no matter what you're making. You can read them all at blogs.balsamic.com slash team. All right, it's time to update you on the current Maker Project. This is Software Month. My friend Marty and I are building two apps at the same time. One is called Network Effects, and that is already launched. And the one that we're kind of gearing up to launch right now is called RemoteWorkers.club. And really, the goal is to see if we can get some paying customers by the end of this month. And time is running out. It's already April 22nd. In order to get there, in order to get those first paying customers, we have to really hone in on what their biggest pain point is. There's a bunch of different ways to figure this out. And one really big asset that we have is from the beginning, we knew we wanted to collect emails on our landing page, remoteworkers.club. And so we have about 370 people on that list right now. And I was able to send them a survey and it asks questions like, do you currently have a remote job? That's important. We think we want to target people who already have remote work right now. Then we ask them what job type best describes what they're doing right now. And software developers, number one, which I wasn't surprised about, but other is number two and consultant is number three. I thought things like web designer and customer support would be higher. But right now, the majority of our waiting list are software developers, consultants, and then a bunch of other folks. I also asked the big question, which is, why are you interested in Remote Workers Club? I thought the number one reason would be having insurance in case they lose their current job. But the number one reason is, I want you to help me find a better remote job. And then the number two reason was, I want to get the occasional job offer. So already, I'm learning quite a bit. But this is not enough, folks. Like I said last week, you can't just sit in your cave and send out surveys, anonymous surveys. You have to go and talk to real human beings. So here are some of the voice answers I've gotten from people when I asked them what has been their biggest struggle 
with getting remote work? So the hardest part for me about finding a remote job was getting to understand that it's possible and it's it's feasible. We're so built to have these conventions around the workplace and that we need to be bound to an actual building and an office or, or, or a destination that you need to be, um, that forgetting all of that and, and kind of shedding all of those preconceived work kind of notions, uh, was actually really tough, uh, getting it through my head that, you could work from literally anywhere and make good money. Um, took me quite a while to understand and and to be okay with. And then there was the battle of convincing the other people in my life that it's possible as well. Because if you suffer from those preconceived uh, notions about the workplace, then chances are a lot of other people do as well. I love that answer. That's from Josh Palmer, who's uh, a local here in Vernon. And it shows that I've been remote working for quite a while, but I forget what it's like to be, uh, you know, in your first remote job or you're just looking for remote work for the first time. There's definitely a lot of education that could be done. And maybe we'll do some of that with remoteworkers.club. There's also a lot of support I think people need. You know, how do I communicate this to my spouse? How do I let people in my life know that this isn't a crazy thing, that there's lots of people that do this around the world? So you can see the kind of insights you get when you talk to people. Uh, Here's another great one from John Friesen, who talks about the pain of actually trying to find work, especially if you're a junior level person. And as a junior or intermediate developer that's pretty fresh out of university, I'm having trouble finding somewhere that would allow me to work remotely and uh, still gain experiences. All right. So now we're starting to see a trend. Uh, What John was talking about there matches up with what I saw in the survey. And actually, when I talked to Martin Bavio, who is a remote work veteran, he's been doing it for years, he said something similar. So for me, the hardest part has been trying to deal with so many remote job websites that in most of the cases are just repeating the same opportunities that only creates noise and makes it harder to find the good ones. No matter what you're making... It's important to get out of the building and talk to the real people that might be using what you're making. And in this case, I was able to start seeing a trend. What is the core motivation for people signing up for remoteworkers.club? Well, they're looking for a better remote job, or if they already have a job, they just want to know what other jobs are out there. So we really need to build the core of the experience around getting really great remote job leads. So now that we understand what people need, we can actually go and build something that they're going to use and maybe pay for. The big lesson is that a lot of our initial assumptions turned out to be wrong, and we would have followed them if we hadn't talked to the real humans that might be using our product. So my goal for next week is to validate these assumptions I've been making and see if we can actually get some folks into the software using it and paying for it. Plus, we still got to figure out the employer side of this equation. How are we going to get those really great remote listings? Stay tuned. Come back on Wednesday for another episode of Mega Maker. 
You can get all of the show notes for this episode at megamaker.co slash 22. The steam music you're hearing, that's by striker-metal.com. Our podcast is hosted by simplecast.fm. And there's not much time left. If you want to get Balsamic Mockups desktop, you can get $10 off by using the code megamaker. Go to balsamic.com and use that code. It also lets them know that, hey, folks who listen to the show appreciate them sponsoring. If you folks want to say hi to me on Twitter, I'm M-I-Justin. That's the letter M, the letter I, Justin. Talk to you later.